In the passage we just heard, John has a pretty strong message of repentance. And he calls out the Pharisees and Sadducees for coming to be baptized to cover their bases. No true repentance. A little God insurance that they don't really need anyway because they are the chosen people of Abraham and of Israel. John's response is that insincere repentance does not guarantee anything. Repentance has to be real and heartfelt. He says the consequences of insincere repentance are as if you had not been repentant at all, and you will be considered as chaff to be burned or as a useless tree that doesn't bear good fruit and needs to be cut down. John's message sometimes gets lost in the description of his bizarre behavior, strange clothing, and weird food. This is where I think we can put aside a literal, a literal interpretation of the scripture and think about what it feels like to face our need to repent. Is it as uncomfortable as a hair sh shirt and as distasteful as eating bugs? It means taking on the discomfort of examining our lives, but also turning around. Metanoia is the Greek word for repentance, and it means to turn around. Making a U-turn and going the other way. U-turns, at least for a little while, show us where we've already been, the wrong road, and can feel awkward and uncomfortable. But U-turns are better than stubbornly heading the wrong way or not moving forward at all and ending up stuck. They offer hope. John is offering a U-turn towards the right direction, towards Jesus and hope. John says that Jesus is coming to offer real baptism for the sincerely engaged and repentant. John's message starts with repentance and is a call to prepare for what is coming. One of my favorite songs for this time of year is about the dormant seasons of autumn and winter and how seeds lie in the ground waiting. Waiting because winter isn't their time. Waiting because it isn't the growing season. Waiting for the light, warmth, and gentle rain of spring. If you are an imaginative person, you might picture seeds tucked into their little dirt beds, snuggled comfortably in the rich darkness of the soil, sleeping and dreaming. What I like about this song is how the images of fall and winter describe the preparation period of Advent. Wouldn't it be nice if we could be snuggled dreamily in warmth and darkness waiting for the celebration of the birth of the Christ child and the joy of the Christmas season. But we are not dormant and waiting in this season. Many of us are planning, shopping, cooking, shopping, crafting, shopping, thinking of things they need to get done, and oh yeah, shopping. John cries out to the world from the, repent, from the wilderness, repent, turn around, get ready, hurry up and wait. He was impossible to ignore in his own time, and he drew people to him for baptism, 
And every year, his message comes back to us in Advent. Repent, humble your heart, be ready to sincerely prepare yourself. There is no God insurance, not for the children of Abraham and not for us either. My favorite line from that song is, you could have saved us in a second, but instead you sent a child. God knows us well. God knows we need time and seasons to reflect and learn. And we need to hear John's message more than once. As Episcopalians, we have our seasons in the liturgic year to walk with Jesus from babyhood into manhood, into mission and resurrection. We have this season of awareness of something special and world-changing about to happen. The door between heaven and earth opened for just a moment so that a child could be born. One who would grow up and turn everything upside down. We have the yearly opportunity to celebrate the very beginning and to appreciate that God has given us time to prepare to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts. God could have saved us in a second but that's not how it happened. And the waiting results in a richer harvest, a richer harvest of faith for each little seed of us. So what does one do in the busyness of the season that has morphed from awareness of the coming of Christ to shopping? Maybe you could change up your daily spiritual practice to mark the change of seasons by doing things a little differently. Maybe start going to Bible study here at St. Paul's. If you can't get here on a Wednesday morning, the National Episcopal Church has a Bible study on its website with reflections on each of the Sunday readings during Advent. You could consider changing a few family traditions around gift giving, such as, oh, I don't know, maybe donating underwear, socks. <laughs> Just saying. I invite you to the Blue Christmas service on the 20th. It's for anyone who wants to slow down and spend quiet time reflecting and contemplating in community. I wonder, what would it look like if I took John's words to heart? What is my camel shirt and my locust lunch? And how will this open my eyes and heart to receive the baby who is the redeeming son of God. And then what? This is the second Sunday in Advent. Luckily for us, the church mothers and fathers discerned that people need time. They figured out what God already knew about us and crafted these four weeks of Advent for Christians. To me, celebrating the birth of Christ in the winter is perfect because a baby is like a winter seed sleeping, dreaming, waiting for its time. When spring comes, we will celebrate Jesus' resurrection and the result of his bursting out into the world. But in this chilly season, we repent, we wait, and we prepare. Prefe prepare for the birth of a baby whose promise is redemption, for the coming baptism by fire and the Holy Spirit. And then what? This becomes even more important 
the and then what, calls out to each of us to be part of the mission, to be wheat and not chaff, to be a fruit-bearing tree. The images John uses are of food, life-giving food. We are called to be life-giving. This is John's spoiler alert. Get ready for more. Repent. Get rid of that unnecessary baggage and be ready for the coming of Christ. Be ready for the call to share the mission and to be life-giving. Baptism by fire and the Holy Spirit isn't fooling around. It is desperately important, and John is a compelling prophet. Jesus himself said there is none greater than John. And this is Jesus' spoiler alert. Listen well to this guy, because he's right. So much more is coming. Who are the prophets crying out in the wilderness today? Is it Greta Thunberg crying out, how dare you? How dare you steal my dreams and my childhood? Who is the prophet you listen to? And what is he or she calling you to do? What ministry is calling you to be life-giving? But for now, winter and waiting and babies yet to be. We wait to celebrate the birth of Christ. God could have saved us in a second, but instead God sent a child. A child born to prepare us for the coming of an even more powerful message. We have time to make U-turns, time to turn around and head towards Jesus. We have two more weeks of this year's Advent. I pray that yours is holy and filled with, with waiting that is joyful, reflective, and maybe just a little bit uncomfortable. Amen.